forget the first time that I ever had the opportunity of delivering our product uh, to some restaurants in New York. So for the first year and a half of business, I would do all the sales and deliveries between D.C. and New York. It's one of the reasons why we love Philadelphia so much is because of its geographic location on the East Coast. And I'll just never forget that I was honestly, A, very anxious to drive to New York City and make deliveries because I had no idea how I would do it. And the buckets are 40 pounds. They're just so heavy. I would literally, I was honestly almost crying, you know, loading these um, buckets with this anticipatory anxiety, just trying to figure out the logistics of it all. But like everything in a startup business, you kind of just need to go into it blindly, put one foot in front of the next and just get it done. And so I was able to deliver those buckets to New York. Hi, and welcome to The Big Schmear, the podcast celebrating Jewish food, culture, and history. I'm your host, Beth Schenker. I love finding out about new Jewish food ideas and food products, and I especially enjoy sharing what I learn with all of you. And that's what today's episode is all about. Nowadays, talking about tahini as a staple for your kitchen isn't such a crazy idea, but it hasn't been that long that most folks in the U.S. didn't really know what tahini was, how to use it, or where to buy it. I've invited Amy Zeidelman, CEO and co-founder of Zoom, to talk with me about her company, about tahini, and their other products, and you won't believe how fantastic some of these other products are. I'm not going to ruin the surprise here, Um, but also I'm going to present a warning, which is you might want to have some tahini handy after listening to this episode, because I think you're going to want to eat some. Hi, Amy. Welcome to The Big Schmear. I'm so happy you're able to, to catch up with you and talk about your company. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be chatting today. Maybe you could start a little by giving us some background about the company. I love that it's a sister-owned company. That's pretty unusual. Uh, Maybe we can start there. Sure. Well, the joke is that my oldest sister, Shelby, had a business degree. My middle sister, Jackie, fell in love with a tahini expert, and I just needed a job. (laughs) But the reality is that... My middle sister, Jackie, moved to Israel uh, right after high school. She ended up getting both her undergraduate degree there and her master's. And it was in the course of her education that she met her now husband, Omri. Omri has been in the tahini industry for about 15 years now. And around the time that he and Jackie started dating, which was in about 2010, 2011, the tahini in Israel was really going through a revolution of, of quality. It was really embracing the sesame seed from Ethiopia called white Humeris sesame as the best type of seed for pressing into high-quality tahini, as we call it here, tahina or tahina, of course, in Israel. And my oldest sister, Shelby, who did study business, was visiting Jackie in Israel, got to know Omri and the product that he had been working with for so long, and was really inspired to you know, just ask questions like what kind of tahini is available in the American market and why isn't tahini as popular in the U.S. as it is in Israel? And that's really kind of what set us on this journey for starting our company, Zoom Foods. And I thought I read somewhere about a carrot cake story. Is that urban legend by now? Yes, exactly. So when our families first met, 
uh, Rachela, Omri's mom, made a delicious carrot cake, which ironically is actually our mom's favorite kind of cake, so definitely beshert. <laughs> and when we tasted it, we complimented about how delicious it, delicious it was, you know, as proper guests would. And she was explaining to us that she used tahini instead of vegetable oil in the cake recipe. And that is what really kind of got us thinking, like, wow, tahini in a cake. You know, in the U.S., we only even think about it in hummus or as a topping on falafel. Uh, this is really something that we believe is different and unique that the American market might be interested in. And how long did it take you once you had that light bulb go off to actually having the first product available? It took us over a year and a half, um, both by choice. You know, we really wanted to do our own market research and understand the place that we were going to um, take when we decided to start this business. And I was also a senior in college in 2011 when the idea came about. So I took, you know, we were pretty committed to maybe starting a company about tahini. I took a year after I graduated college to live in Israel. I also fell further in love with high-quality tahini and really embraced its versatility in my own cooking while I was living in Israel. And we also spent 2012 for the opportunity to visit Ethiopia for the first time as a family. My sisters and I went together with um, their now husbands, Omri and Dan, and so it took us um, until May of 2013 that we finally got our first import um, because the tahini is pressed in Israel and started selling it here in the American market. So over a year and a half that we decided to do our market research and put the places, the steps in place to get the business off the ground. And, you know, a year and a half actually doesn't sound that, I mean, I wasn't there with you, obviously, but it doesn't sound like that long. It sounds like you really moved forward pretty fast. And it also sounds like you all decided working together, the three of you having this company, was kind of a no-brainer, and there was no discussion. Let's ju- It just sort of happened. Is that is that true? It is kind of true. I almost feel like I didn't realize we were starting a business. But, you know, I was, having come straight out of college, I felt like I was just doing another project, right? I started researching restaurants and grocery stores or online marketplaces, and it kind of just felt like a fun project. The best thing about working with my sisters is that we all have really different interests and skills that we brought to the business, and so it allowed us to kind of spread out our responsibilities of who was going to be good at what for getting the business off the ground. And so I come from a communication background and was really focused on the sales and marketing Shelby studied business and really kind of dictated our strategy and helped to guide each of us in our roles. And Jackie, being in Israel, she studied um, international politics as an undergrad. She was really our supply chain expert and um, very invested in all of the stakeholders from Ethiopia to our manufacturers in Israel. And so, yeah, we were really lucky that our different skills um, very easily allowed us to fulfill roles within the organization early on. Yeah, it just sounds like the perfect match. It's it's great, actually. Um, Our parents are are still excelling. They're very proud. <laughs> I bet, and they have good reason to. Also, <laughs> do you think there's any? Uh, I mean, okay, so you were in. You've had a, you have a lot of connections to Ethiopia and certainly Israel, and this food product tahini. Was there some kind of thought about, oh, this is a way for us to be connected to our Jewish roots? Or did that is that just kind of one of the things that sort of is there? 
for me, tahini is less of a Jewish product than it is an Israeli ingredient. Um, and the Israel that's really influenced by its Arabic, you know, neighbors and cultures um, from where many Israelis emigrated to Israel from. You know, what always stuck out to me being Ashkenazi as Jewish food is Ashkenazi Jewish food. It definitely, though, heightened and was embraced by our love of Israel and our Zionistic interest by going to a Jewish day school growing up and and having visited Israel, my sister living in Israel. And so it fulfilled a lot of our personal Jewish and Israeli values um, to be able to make tahini a more familiar ingredient in the American market. And we were also just really lucky that it coincided our timing coincided with the interest and, um, I guess, appreciation for Israeli cuisine in the American market. And so it was just kind of like this love fest for Israel through its food that was just a different dialogue than what is going on usually about Israel, right, in terms of um, American conversation. Right, and it's it's just a positive thing, which is wonderful. So, it is wonderful. So you, t- you spoke a little bit about the tahini originating in Ethiopia. And so I, I can't say that I'm a tahini expert because I'm not, but there was definitely a difference in the flavor and consistency of your tahini product. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about that. What makes your tahini different? What's unique about it? Well, the Ethiopian seed is preferred internationally for pressing into tahini. In fact, the white Humer seed from the northwest region of Ethiopia, which is called also the Humer region of Ethiopia, is harvested exclusively for tahini production. It's the ratio of the oil to the rest of the sesame meat and that nice, almost nutty flavor profile that makes it more mild and less bitter than other tahinis pressed from sesame seeds grown in other regions. Um, We also take an extra step where having Jackie with our manufacturers um, allows us to further, you know, um, I guess, monitor our quality assurance for flavor and consistency. So Jackie is actively tasting and, you know, um, guiding our manufacturers to press and roast and, you know, create the tahini to our specifications, which have been widely influenced by our chef partners here in the States and the type of tahini that they want for their recipes. And we, and of course, at Home Cooks, all just get to benefit off of that really kind of connected supply chain and communication that we have from customer back to manufacturer. Well, it yeah, it seems to be of benefit to all of us who get to try your products. (laughs) (laughs) And you mentioned chefs and restaurants using your product just in passing here. And I'm wondering... If you might talk a little bit about, for instance, who your first large client was and maybe some of the other, maybe some of the ways that you think are unique that restaurants are using your products. Sure. Well, most notably, you know, our amazing um, partner and client and friend um, is Mike Solomonov and his business partner, Steve Cook, which has the Hav, the nationally and internationally acclaimed um, Israeli restaurant here in Philadelphia. They've been so instrumental in supporting us, in validating the quality of our tahini, and just really authentically and organically uh, promoting that they use our tahini. They are complete menches and have (laughs) been um, really instrumental in the success of our brand so far. And we, you know, we work very closely with them to make sure that um, all the tahini benefits 
them and their restaurants. And through their influence um, from the Zahav cookbook and um, the second Israeli soul cookbook, we've gotten the opportunity to present our tahini now nationally. So we sell from Maine to Miami, Seattle to San Diego, and amazing markets like Chicago and New Orleans in between. So we work with great chefs all across the country in Boston, Anna Sartoon, kind of like the matriarch of Israeli cuisine here in the States, in Chicago, um, dozens of awesome restaurants, not just Israeli, but also American fusion. We work with Alon Shaya in New Orleans. It's really just been spectacular that these um, chefs that we admire so much uh, appreciate our ingredient for their creations. It's, it's a very humbling experience to be part of their story as well. Yeah, I think it would be just very, very cool. I wonder if it's cool. <laughs> I wonder if you might have, like, what are the most interesting uses of tahini that you've heard about from some of these chefs? Wow. Well, my favorite thing, which a lot of people get very excited over, are the tahini milkshakes at Goldie here in Philadelphia. Have you ever gotten to try a tahini milkshake by uh, the Cook and Solo crew? No, I haven't. Got it. So it's actually a vegan um, milkshake, which is made with almond milk and coconut cream and tahini. Um, I make an iteration of that at home instead of using sugar, which they use at the restaurant, uh, which I appreciate wholeheartedly. I use a banana instead. And so actually adding tahini into a smoothie or a milkshake is a really great way, A, to add all the health benefits of tahini, protein, calcium, iron, magnesium, phosphorus. I mean, the list really goes on in terms of its nutritional value, but also creamy consistency and nutty flavor profile. For me, uh, tahini in some kind of a sweet on yogurt or in a smoothie is really, really special. And if you haven't tried that before, it's one of my favorite ways to incorporate tahini uh, throughout the day. It sounds fantastic. And you also hit on another thing about just the health components of having tahini and and the fact that it's dairy-free and um, gluten-free. And so I wonder if all of these, you'd think with all of these positives, that tahini would find its way on our shelves in America more frequently than, I think it's getting there slowly, but I wonder if you have a sense of how the market's growing and do you think it's going to not replace peanut butter, but maybe have a have a home on the shelf right next to peanut butter. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the markets are growing. Trends are showing internationally extreme growth for the next five to 10 years. What's so interesting is you can kind of track tahini interest similar to how hummus expanded 15 to 20 years ago. And so like a lot of ethnic cuisine and ingredients, it's always going to start on the coast or in the major market cities you know, like Chicago, but of course, New York and L.A., and then work its way into middle America. And so just the way that hummus still feels like it has a lot of market share to acquire by educating more of the um, center of the country that doesn't have as much international influence to it on hummus, tahini is kind of taking the same track. We're just about a couple decades behind. So we're really seeing tahini becoming more interested um, with consumers on the coast, also because of the influence from the restaurants that are incorporating tahini into their menus more and more. And so it really just kind of becomes this opportunity 
for cross promotion and this this balance between educating consumers directly, you know, by our own efforts and also, you know, leaning into these restaurants that have embraced the ingredient to make the American palate more familiar by when they're dining out. And so it's just been this kind of exciting cycle between, of course, selling our tahini to restaurants, having people taste tahini through restaurants, learn about it maybe through chefs and culinary publications and media like this podcast, and then feel inspired to work with it at home. And so that just keeps growing and growing and growing. It's a really exciting time. It sounds like the timing is also just perfect. Um, it's a perfect storm for tahini, I think. And that's really, ex- it's, it's, it's exciting. It's timing. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. And I'm still intrigued that restaurants in the South would incorporate tahini. And I'm like, I'm trying to figure out what would they, I guess the sky's the limit. You could do anything. Tahini is an amazing ingredient for fats and recipe, anything from butter to oils, even mayonnaise. And so as interest in healthier eating, plant-forward eating um, expands to these different markets like the South, we're working on just making sure that chefs know that tahini is an option while kind of considering these new dietary preferences. That's what our mission is always, is the consumer education of how people can incorporate incorporate tahini into things that they already like for substitute for things that they might be looking to replace. And that's what's really exciting about tahini is it's a great replacement across savory and sweet and uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's just amazingly versatile. You know, the pillars that tahini stand on for us is delicious, nutritious, and versatile. So as long as we have the opportunity to come back to those points in our consumer education and marketing and conversations, really, we believe that tahini will continue to be better understood as time goes on. And I also think it's a way for home cooks to be, it's just an exciting new ingredient to try and experiment with and to... Exciting and it's forgiving. You can put a little bit into anything and it can kind of take it to a next level. The other thing I think is because of the uh, nutritional profile of it, I really, and this is not scientifically proven, but I really just think once your body becomes familiar with it, it craves it because it likes how it makes us feel. And so as you start to become more comfortable, put a couple tablespoons into your smoothie or adding maybe a couple tablespoons into a soup that you make because you want to make it a little bit thicker or creamier without any dairy, um, you just get kind of excited and more comfortable putting it into lots of things. And you just gave people a really, I mean, just a great hint about soups and thickening soups because it's just those little things to get people started using it, taking it off the shelf. You know, they made some hummus and that's great. Uh, but then, you know, there they are on Thursday afternoon and um, their soup is not exactly doing what it should. Oh, maybe I'll reach for that tahini this time and just give it a try. So that's kind of cool. I love that. Yes, and I, I'm so glad you mentioned that because hummus, you know, we, we appreciate hummus so much because a lot of people did have tahini in their fridge or pantry because they made hummus once. But the problem was they were never going back to it again and they probably ended up throwing out the jar or can six months later because it, you know, went bad or was too separated with the oil and the thick product on the, on the bottom of the, 
of the package. And so what we wanted to do was inspire people to use it for more than just hummus. And that's really where the opportunity for tahini to grow in demand is by people using it also more often. Exactly. So now I think is the perfect time for you to talk about some of the other products that um, that you have. And I'll, I'll just let folks know that you have this great, I don't know what you call, I can't remember what you call it, but it's a, like an introductory package. So it had three items, which you're going to talk about, the other two. Tahini was one. And the other two I'd never tried, thought about, or heard of. And now I've already ordered them for other people and... I'm at my second or third order now. It's it's just great stuff. So tell us about the date syrup and also about the chocolate tahini. Oh my God, amazing jar of stuff. Tahini. Yeah. <laughs> that is my favorite product, the chocolate sweet tahini spread. Um, it's dangerous. Really inspired. <laughs> it is dangerous. Although I like to call it a guiltless indulgence. Like you said, it's only three ingredients. The main one is tahini, and so it's tahini, powdered pure cane sugar, and cocoa powder. So it has it's vegan, it's made without nuts, it has no palm oil in there. And for us, it was kind of, as we looked at our mission of getting tahini out of the international aisle and into the nut butter section, we were looking at this nut butter section and seeing this direction of flavors that so many other products like almond butter and peanut butter has kind of expanded to. And we also recognize that people might not be familiar with tahini in a sweet application because it was they were most comfortable using it to make hummus. But one of our favorite things to do with tahini is to use it to make brownies. The tahini and chocolate combination, Ooh. if anybody's doubting it, is just <laughs> phenomenal. It's so delicious. And so we thought that it would be best for American consumers that might not have thought of tahini in a sweet way to present it to them in a sweet way. We're also selfishly just trying to come up with a better product that we wanted to eat ourselves and feed to our children or future children at that time, you know, as opposed to Nutella. Uh So that was really kind of how our chocolate came into being. But you are totally right. It's delicious. I just like to eat it straight from the jar. Me too. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) It's the best snack at night. It's, It's guiltless, right? Two, a couple tablespoons of that or even a little teaspoon totally satisfies a sweet tooth. And you don't have to feel bad, you know, at the end of the day before you go to bed. I, I think it was brilliant on all your parts. Thank you. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you so much. And then our silan is a very popular ingredient in Israel and across the Middle East. I'm actually was first introduced to it from my friend's father, who's from Iraq. And when I first started talking to my friend Jeremy's dad, Rami, and telling him about how we were going to sell good tahini here in the States, he kind of, you know, was excited to share with me that growing up in Iraq, he would eat tahini with a date molasses, which in Israel is called silan. And the date molasses in Israel, or, you know, this idea of the land of milk and honey, it's more recently been attributed to this date syrup as opposed to honey honey. It's a, more of a nectar from dates, which are so phenomenal in Israel. And so these dates are really just steamed and then pressed down into a delicious almost syrup or molasses that is a great substitute for maple syrup, honey, and or agave. It has a lower glycemic index. Um, And so one of the things that really inspires me about Ceylon is that uh, some people with 
uh, for instance, diabetes can use Ceylon as a sweetening option and it won't necessarily escalate their blood sugar. And so that to me is really what was so consistent about these three pillars of tahini, delicious, nutritious, and versatile. As we started to learn and love Ceylon through our interest in Israeli cuisine, we realized that this product also is delicious, nutritious, and versatile, and it felt really authentic to expand our product portfolio with it, especially because Ceylon and tahini mix is just a delicious flavor combination. I um, I first started using the Ceylon in uh, my oatmeal, and it was amazing, just amazing. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things to do in the morning also is to drizzle Ceylon and tahini on Greek yogurt with some banana and maybe a little bit of granola. It's just delicious, and it really does make you feel good and keeps you pretty full all day. Ooh, great idea. Good so idea. good. It's like a smoothie in bite form. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder if you have any like behind-the-scenes stories. For instance, as you were developing the chocolate tahini product or just um, maybe on some of your travels to Ethiopia. You mentioned your first trip, but it sounds like you've been there a number of times since. Well, behind the scenes story, at least for like our product and uh, business development, to me always goes back to how um, heavy and messy tahini is. I'll never forget the first time that I ever had the opportunity of delivering our product uh, to some restaurants in New York. So for the first year and a half of business, I would do all the sales and deliveries between D.C. and New York. It's one of the reasons why we love Philadelphia so much is because of its geographic location on the East Coast. And I'll just never forget that I was honestly, A, very anxious to drive to New York City and make deliveries because I had no idea how I would do it. And the buckets are 40 pounds. They're just so heavy. Oh, gee. And so, you know, I would literally, I was honestly almost crying, you know, loading these um, buckets with this anticipatory anxiety, just trying to figure out the logistics of it all. But like everything in a startup business, you kind of just need to go into it blindly, put one foot in front of the next and just get it done. And so I was able to deliver those buckets to New York. But in a similar fashion, the first time we ever sold a pallet of buckets to a distributor so that they would deliver it to a bucket for us, we put this pallet on a truck only to find out 30 minutes later when it made it to the distributor here in Philadelphia that all the buckets had fallen over in the truck, and it was a complete mess. And if anybody has ever even spilled a tablespoon of tahini onto their countertops, I apologize, but you know that it's just almost impossible to clean up. It takes, like, five paper towels and a sponge (laughs) and anything that you can imagine. And so cleaning up this uh, truck full of overturned 40-pound buckets was a harrowing experience as well, but we... I loaded up my car a couple times, and I ended up just driving the buckets over myself until we learned how to palletize correctly. So I can absolutely say that we've we've made every mistake and mess in the books um, in the past seven years since we've been able to get the business to where it is today. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, it's the only way to to learn, really. And you have to all do it yourselves because you don't have other staff people there at that point. You're just – you're it. You're it. It's really scary. It's really hard. It's really empowering and exciting. Um, and yeah, entrepreneurship is a roller coaster. Um, but I, I wouldn't be able to do it for seven years if I didn't believe 
and to see me like the way that I do. You know, I, I don't think I ever could have done this for a potato chip company. Um, I just am so inspired by the nutritional profile of the tahini, its versatility and ease of use. And it really, you know, it just makes it all worthwhile when a customer writes in to talk about how much value the ingredient has brought to their kitchen experience. It, it, it helps us uh, keep going for sure. Oh, yeah. And so... I, and usually I have a recipe that I share with listeners and put that on my website. But in this case, and I'll tell you, if you order the, tell me again what that little, the sampler package is called. Is that what you call it? I can't remember. The uh, pantry sampler? Yes, that's it. And so um, that comes with uh, some recipes, but also there are tons of amazing recipes on your website. And so Maybe you can talk a little bit about what people can find on your website and also if there's a way for folks to, if they're not so comfortable purchasing online, how would they find out where your products are in their own um, location? Absolutely. Thanks so much. Our website is our company name, sumfoods.com. That's S as in Sam, O-O-M as in Mary, foods, plural. Uh, One of the hardest things that we've had to accept is that Sum. While we love the name, sum sum means sesame in Hebrew. It doesn't articulate so well um, in in dialogue, so we always have to spell it out. Uh, But our website has the opportunity to purchase our products. Um, You can also, if you're more comfortable or are a Prime member, can purchase them on Amazon. And on our website as well, we have a Find Us feature uh, where you can find stores that you're in. Um, But unfortunately, or fortunately, in terms of the opportunity, we're currently primarily distributed between D.C. and New York um, in terms of grocery stores. And we're hoping to be able to expand our our stockings through the end of this year and into next year. But uh, a lot of times people, um, because the product is shelf stable, you know, are comfortable purchasing it online because they know that even if you, you know, miss the pickup by a day or so, it's not going to go bad. Right. So, Amy, I want to thank you so much for sharing all this information um, with my listeners and giving us a little bit more education about tahini and what you can do with it in your kitchen. And if you haven't experimented much or if you want to do experiment more, this is a great way to do it. And I wish you continued success with your business. And I want to encourage everyone to, to give Sum a try. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure, and I feel incredibly fortunate to be able to spread the word about this ingredient, and I really appreciate the opportunity. Oh, my pleasure. I've been speaking with Amy Zeidelman, CEO and co-founder of Zoom. My recording and mix engineer is Steve Robinson. Big Schmier theme music is performed by Cavatina Duo from their CD entitled Sephardic Journey on the CD record label. If you like The Big Schmear, please don't forget to subscribe and to write a review or share a like on my Facebook group page. All this really helps the podcast grow. If you have any comments or questions, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at beth at thebigschmear.com. And be sure to check out my website for recipes shared by my guests. I'm Beth Schenker, the host of The Big Schmear. Thank you for listening and happy eating.